amazing trip to Kenya. It was an awesome experience, but I'm sure you've heard that a zillion times. Mission trips, missionaries, they all say the same thing, don't they? But this time I mean it. People have asked my impressions of Kenya. And like Terry said, I've done roughly 20 trips on three continents in six countries. And each place I've left a piece of my heart. But I have to say that I've never met a man like Reverend Joe. Um, he was the pastor that we went to visit and minister alongside. I was totally impressed with Reverend Joe and his willingness, his total submission to the Lord. My impression was being with Reverend Joe was like being with Noah or Job without the trials. Reverend Joe has a total surrender to God in his spirit. He has an eye to see what God wants him to see, an ear to hear God's voice and calling, and a willing spirit to follow God and God's plans for Kenya. Never was there a feeling that we were following Reverend Joe's flesh. You knew you were in the presence of our Lord's plan and his purpose when you sat with Reverend Joe. As I describe the plethora of his outreach ministries, I'll be saying he built or he started, but if Joe were speaking today, he would give God all the credit. So let's get started. While we were there, we visited the safe house that Reverend Joe had built. Its purpose is to not only house women and children that are victims of family violence, but also a safe place for young wives, 14 years old and up, who are sold into marriage. It would be a refuge, a safe place to live as they get their lives back together. The safe house holds 40 women and children. We visited the two Christian high schools that Reverend Joe built. One was for girls and one was for boys, and they total a 300-student capacity. When the, within the last five years, donations have been made to bless that school with the installation of a water well, allowing them to have running water to cook with, to clean with, and from that water, they also have been able to plant a garden and fruit trees, and the students bucket the water to the vegetation. The students also bucket the water for their baths at night in the shower stalls. The school has purchased a few cows, so now the students have milk. They have three beehives, so now there's fresh honey as well. And there's another outpouring of God's plan, not just for Joe's schools to, ac to academically educate the students, but to grow these kids up to be successful in life. Not only do the students learn in the classroom about agriculture, they, have a, they are taught a practical lesson. The students have the responsibility for maintaining the garden, and they're responsible for the care of the fruit trees. Each tree is assigned a student to care, water, and nurture their tree. Reverend Joe opened a clinic in his village, and a doctor from the clinic visits the slums each week. Before COVID, there was about 2,000 people living in landfills, using what they could to create homes. The government came in during COVID and bulldozed down two-thirds of it, leaving those families homeless. When we were there, there were about 300 living in the landfill. Reverend Joe's staff from the village clinic travel each week to the slums. I just saw the little boy with the bike, so the bike wheel. They travel each week to the slums and uh, treat the patients until the medicine runs out. Some of the pictures that you see are from the day we spent playing with the kids in the slums. 
One Sunday, we attended Reverend Joe's church service, where high-ranking government officials came to the blessing service for the national Christian TV station that Reverend Joan was launching. Another Sunday, we drove into the mountains, a 14-hour a round trip in four-wheel drive vehicles. It was such a rough and treacherous ride, several people wearing Fitbits were being awarded on their watches for having over 40,000 steps. We climbed the mountain to attend a church service, one of four churches under uh, Reverend Joe's authority. Joe wanted us to not only witness the baptism of 32 of his people, but he allowed the two Texas pastors to perform those baptisms and also to serve communion in their outdoor church under the trees. One family express, expressed their blessings by sending Reverend Joe home with a beautiful goat, and it rode back in one of our vehicles. Luckily, not mine. <laughs> so what did I find in Kenya that I didn't expect? Christians. I didn't realize how populated Christ Kenya is with Christians. You could feel the hope among the people. The Kenya people seem to be oblivious to the poverty they live in. Where we Americans would be floundering in self-pity and destitution, the Kenyans seemed at peace. The internal joy they expressed was refreshing and made one feel in awe of the presence of God because only God could bring that joy and sweet countenance to their souls. Kenya felt very safe. I never expected the government to be supportive of the work being done by the church. That has been a detrimental obstacle to several trips I've made. It was amazing to witness the government embracing the work of the Lord, joining hands, so to speak, with the church. How was I changed by this trip? I'm not sure if I would use the word changed, um, because 23 years ago, the Lord spoke to me, to me, and in Kenya, he reminded me of it. God put a thought in my heart just a few weeks ago. When the mind says no, but the heart says go. What a weird chant. I pondered it. I chewed on it, and I wondered. When the mind says no, but the heart says go. Is anybody else hearing that? It seems like most people shy away from ministry. They think it's for the godly, the holy ones. They feel as I did years ago. What do I possibly have to offer? I'm not a teacher, much less a preacher. I'm sure most of you are thinking, not me, I'm not equipped. Well, I'm here to comfort you. None of us are. None of us come that way. That is why we need God. Equipping you is what God, you, what God does when he calls you. That is his responsibility, not ours. Take Reverend Joe as an example. As a young boy, his mother left the family, leaving others to raise him. Then around 12 years old, he left his village and set out to find his mom. That resulted in a 12-year-old living on the street of a busy city. I don't have to tell you what he did to make a living. Then he began to sniff glue, do drugs, to numb himself from the harsh reality of his life. A man from this village recognized him in the city one day and offered to take him back to the village. Reverend Joe agreed. He worked for the man. He, the man and others paid for Reverend Joe to get an education and then sent him to university where he studied and became a pharmacist. Now fast forward to Joe working in a pharmacy. Outside the pharmacy, Joe would witness street kids hanging out looking for food. 
He began ministering to them. He would bring them bread and water and talk with them. He'd tell them his own story and talk about Christ to them. It was very heavy on Joe's heart to make a difference in these young lives as others had done for him. Two two evenings a week, Joe would minister on the streets to the homeless kids. Now fast forward to Joe feeling called into seminary. And after completing seminary, Reverend Joe was even more focused on the needs of his community and daily walking with Christ through it all. Take me as an example. For more than 23 years, I was a Houston police officer. Whatever could God do with that profession on a mission field? As I reflected on those thoughts, I was reminded of what God can do. How funny to think that God can't use whomever he chooses in the way he designs. But that is what our flesh rea- how our flesh reacts, and it's what our mind says to us. When the mind says no, but the heart says go. Or some wonder why we go. Why don't we take care of our own? There's plenty of needs here. There's plenty to do in our own backyard. I'm here to tell you with love and grace of the Lord, listen closely, it's not our backyard. It's God's yard, and he has no fences. Yep, that's what I said. It's all God's, and he is asking for our help. Let me make sure you understand, in no way does God need our help. He created the world in its fullness in seven days, with a cherry on top of all kinds of crazy animals and two hard-headed humans. But God desires fellowship. He wants your time and your love, not just for himself, but for you to share with others. His backyard is filled with love, and opportunities to be with him and to make his love known to others. Years ago, I had an amazing moment while visiting an orphanage in Nigeria. We were visiting in a classroom, and on the wall was a world map marked with countries that the students had been praying for. And one of those countries was Moldova. Who ever heard of Moldova? I've been there now probably 10 times to orphanages. It's the poorest country in Eastern Europe. Take serious note of that. These people that we go to serve are led by their Lord, our Lord. It's the same Lord to pray for others. These kiddos that we went to bless, they're busy praying daily for others in a foreign country. My first mission trip back in 1998 was with UM Army to Jasper, Texas. My small group of five high schoolers and I spent three whole days of our six-day trip, kneeling on the top of a house, tearing down six miserable layers of roof in the blazing hot Texas summer sun so that we could put a new roof on the house. The homeowner, our client, joined us each day as we stopped to have lunch in the shade of one of his trees. Back then, UM Army small groups teams picked a name for themselves. So we were sharing this trivia with the homeowner. He suggested that we call ourselves God's angels because that's what we were to him, angels. It still pierces my heart to this day. And here I am 23 years later, 23 years older, on top of a beautiful mountain in Kenya, having church in the shade of the trees with a nomadic tribe of Maasai warriors. And now they're asking if we are angels. They had never seen white people before. 
guys, I'm about as fleshly as they come. I'm the wretch the song is about, and yet God uses me. And he will use you if you only submit yourself to his good and perfect will for your life. We all know that the word angel means messenger. The Bible tells us they serve God in many ways with many roles. Along with being God's messengers, angels are depicted as loyal servants. And they're, and they're known to intervene in human affairs as directed by God to guide us along the way of life. Think about that. When God uses us, us broken and tired humans, but us, his not-so-loyal servants, we are God's angels of service, bringing his love to those he sends us to. We don't have to be theologians or pastors. We don't have to know it all. We just have to be willing and stay beneath the wings of the one that does know all. We only have to stay close to God. He is our guide, the light unto our path. When the mind says no, but the heart says go. I'll always remember the dread, the nerves of my first foreign mission trip. Long before we ever left Houston, I realized my insufficiency. I thought, what the heck is a cop going to do on a medical mission in Eastern Europe? Then the trip director asked me to pray about doing the evangelism part of the trip for the orphans. When the mind says no, but the heart says go. Seriously, I have to tell you that I thought it was a better chance of me being a doctor than an evangelist on the trip. But God is so faithful to those he called. He helped me to realize that I was only to be, as a dear friend says, Jesus with skin on. My only purpose was to be like the mule that carried Christ in on. My only role was to bring Christ to his children. No pressure. I didn't have to change their world. I only needed to bring Christ into their world through loving on them and sharing my Lord with them. God reminded me that he had prepped me through years of being a Sunday school teacher for children. He showed me that I didn't have to worry about a thing, that I only needed to show up to submit to him and to carry his love to a lost and hurting world. Reverend Joe today is doing a mighty work in Kenya. The country has many, many Christians, but just like us, those Kenyans need to feel that they are not alone. They need to be reminded that the body of Christ reaches across the ocean and joins hands with them. Those living in poverty in America would be wealthy in Africa. The Kenyan churches need our financial support so that the hands and feet of Christ can be experienced through their ministries to their communities. The Kenyan people know about the love of Christ. They need to feel that love through his people, through their brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. The Kenyans need to know, just like us, we're not alone. Christ is inviting you to be a part of his work. Whether, wherever Christ is leading you, whether it's in Kenya, prison ministry, women's shelters, teaching Sunday school, ushering, let me get a little ad in here for the church, or to your neighbor across the street, by you being here today gives me hope that you're hearing that still small voice. I got to tell you, there is freedom in Christ. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. Isaiah 6, 3 tells us, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Thank you.
Okay, somehow I'm supposed to follow that. Good luck, right? Matthew 4.19 says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus himself was a missionary. He didn't sit by passively. He didn't wait for those that needed something to come to him. He went to them. He didn't wait for those that are interested in his teaching to show up. He went to them. He went out to where there were sick, to where there were sorrows, to where there was hurting, to where there was sadness. And he expounded upon his message of joy, healing, and most importantly, of salvation. As a teenager, he taught in the temple, and the doctors and the lawyers who were entrenched in their old traditions heard him and were amazed. He went to the seaside, he went to the most common laborers, and he challenged them. He uprooted them, and he changed them. Because he didn't have a self-serving heart. He wasn't secure or smug about his life. Yet those that were nailed him to the cross. Not only was Jesus a missionary, he pledged his followers to be missionaries also. So let me describe, as you heard, Melanie, what a missionary heart looks like. A missionary heart cares more than some. It thinks to be wise. It risks more than some think to be safe. It dreams more than those that want to be practical. It expects more than those that think that are possible. You see, when God calls, there should be no regrets. We are called not to comfort. We are not called even to success. We are called to obedience. There is no real joy outside experiencing and serving Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, there are some that fear being separated from family and loved ones and friends. But you know, we can all be great encouragers and support those who are obedient to God's call wherever that field may lead them. We should consider it an honor to know and support those who are willing to put their own goals for their life aside for what Jesus wants them to do. God never calls a person into his service, as Melanie said, without equipping them. And we've talked before about how we come up with excuse after excuse after excuse as to why we can't do what God's asking us to do. Or as I have done more than once, just simply explaining to God, you've got the wrong number. Try somebody else. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 6, says this. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, do the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord himself, 
not man. As believers, we should know that following the calling of God will be packed with adventure, with risk, with grace, with protection, and at times with struggle. But through it all, Jesus walks with us. As we heard in that song this morning, the battle belongs to him. If you truly want to be stretched and to walk with Jesus, you simply only have to make one decision, and that's to be all in and committed to him. You must have the desire to have the intimate and deep relationship with Jesus. You must want to share the love of Christ with others. You need to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. You need to be willing to move with him when he calls. You need to be secure in the adventure that's in front of you, even though you're not quite sure what all it entails. Just know that he is with you always. You have a feeling that you are made of something more than just the life that you're in right now. As God calls you into unity with himself, you have a desire and a joy of helping others. You're not afraid of new places or new cultures. You trust the Lord. You believe that with God, nothing is impossible, and you care more about the experience than material things. You see, simply with those words, what I've just said is not about you. It's all about him. And he desires to use each and every one of you that are here this morning or hearing my voice. He has a better plan than the best plan that you've ever had in your head. You just need to be obedient to him. Lorena, if you and the worship team would come forward. In November of 1918, in a farmhouse in a, on a dairy farm in North Carolina, a baby was born to hardworking parents. They knew the value of self-discipline and the value of the dollar. And then a few years later in 1934, a businessman came to Charlotte, North Carolina, and secured permission to hold a prayer vigil on that farmer's land. The prayer was this, that God would raise someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. It was a year later that that same boy, as a young man, gave his life to the Lord. And a few days later, he walked into the woods one night, seeking God's direction for his faith. He asked the, asked the Lord, give me a simple answer to where my faith is going. And that simple answer was one word. God just said, the Bible. So that young man's prayer was this. Father, this is thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. I will believe this to be your inspired word. That night, the faithful journey of Billy Graham began. Luke 18, 27 says, whatever is possible with man is, whatever is impossible with man is possible with God, declared Jesus. 
So this morning, with the words that you have heard, I ask you simply to do this. Let God rewrite your, your story. Give him the opportunity for you to live scripture, to live out Isaiah 6 eight, and simply say, here I am, Lord, send me. Mm-hmm.